Welcome and welcome back, guys. I'm your host, Maddie Flint, and you are listening to The Essentials Podcast. Last week, I was in South Carolina for the first time, and let me tell you, I don't think I'll be complaining about the heat here in New York for a while. But what I will complain about here is our economy. And in this episode, I'm going to highlight some noticeable differences between the Holy City and the Big Apple. I am going to talk about statistics a lot just here in the beginning. And later on in this episode, I'm going to be comparing what it's like in South Carolina versus New York just as a whole, not just in those two cities, but in the surrounding areas like Albany and Folly Beach and like driving through from New York to the South, just in general what it's like in New York versus South Carolina. But I'm going to highlight those major cities. So first off, I'm diving into these statistics. I have a page pulled up from the Charleston Regional Development Alliance, and this is local data. It's labor and employment stats. So this civilian workforce in 2011, the labor force was comprised of 337,386 people and in 2021 it has grown 17% to 395,923 people. Right now, uh, I don't think everything has been calculated so that's why I'm using the 2021 stats, but the employed last year in total were 381,610. And the unemployment there was only 14,300. And this page really does give a lot of data. It gives data from commuters and commuters into and out of military, retirees, annual post-secondary degrees, like just annual high school graduates, all that stuff. Um, But what I really like is this little pie chart that I found that shows employment by industry. And 19% of employment is the government, another 19% is in trade, transportation, and utilities. And then um, coming in after those two with a high percentage is professional and business services, followed by then education and health services, and leisure and hospitality, and then everything else comes after that. The unionization rate, this I found pretty interesting for the United States as a whole is 10.3% and in Charleston, South Carolina, it is 1.7% as it is in South Carolina as a state. So not a lot of unionization. In New York, and this is a big comparison, the rate actually has gone down from 10.8% in 2020, but not down that much because as of 2021, the unionization rate was at 10.3%. And there's a whole bunch of sources that will be like, oh, how did New York become the most unionized state in the country? There's a webpage actually by thenation.com. It's an article, a little excerpt of it says, overall, New York's unionization rates are highest in the public sector at about 70%. But surprisingly, recent expansion of union membership centers on private sector workplaces. But 70%. How did New York become the most unionized state? That's from also thenation.com. It's an article. Lots of pages on New York's new unionization movement. And 
There's some older ones um, from 2011 that say that New York State ranked first on the list of unionization. And then there is a report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics 2021 that do mention that public sector worker unionization rates continued to significantly outpace private sector unionization and workers in the education, training, and library occupation sectors have the highest unionization rates with 34.6% of all such workers belonging to unions. There's actually a bullet point here which I find very interesting considering that this whole episode is about South Carolina and New York. in comparison, this actually states that when looking at workers in individual states, Hawaii and New York continued to have the highest unionization rates at 22.4% and 22.2% respectively. And then conversely, South Carolina and North Carolina continued to have the lowest union membership rates at 1.7% and 2.6% respectively. So there are some interesting unionization comparisons. Moving on, I have demographics and it's population by age and just the population in general. In Charleston, there are 813,000 people living there. The median age is 37 years old and 30 plus new people move to the region each day. So the population growth, and this is on a chart from 2020 to 2021, Charleston was at 1.3%, South Carolina as an individual state was at 1.2%, and the United States was at 0.1%. And that is from the Census Bureau. Then there is a little pie graph. Um, It's population by age. The largest chunk of this graph are people who are 19 years of age and younger that makes up 24.4%. The second largest portion of this pie graph are people who are 25 to 34 years old making up 15.7%. Third um, at 15.1% are people who are 65 years of age and older and fourth are people who are from 35 to 44 years old at 13.2% followed by everybody else. Now I'm switching gears to some stats from New York City. According to the BLS Current Population Survey, the unemployment rate for New York fell 0.1 percentage points in May 2022 to 4.4%. The state unemployment rate was 0.8 percentage points higher than the national rate for the month. And the unemployment rate in New York peaked in May 2020, and that was at the height of like the national lockdown that we had here in New York, pretty much stopped everything. And that was at 16.5% and is now 12.1% lower. So there are a lot of unemployed people in New York. It also has the highest population density of any major city in the United States with over 27,000 people per square mile. So the streets are very, very crowded down there. Two million New Yorkers are under the age of 18 and there are over 70,000 homeless people in New York City. This is the highest level since the Great Depression in the 1930s. And in South Carolina, there are about 1,000 homeless people in Charleston. City leaders have been trying to help homeless people and improve the streets for years. So that says a lot about those two cities in comparison. There are so many homeless people in New York, it's really sad. 
And then for statewide debt, New York has the highest debt of any state with total debt of over $203.77 billion. New York's total assets are around $106.61 billion, giving the state a debt ratio of 273.8%. Now, the main culprit for New York's towering debt is overspending on Medicaid. And we still have homeless people, a lot of them. And then, according to state budget solutions, South Carolina has a total state debt of $54.1 billion when pension liabilities are included. Another point of interest that I found is that there are almost 17,000 homeschoolers in South Carolina. And in 2011, there were 2,300 homeschoolers in New York City. But as of right now, especially in upstate New York, a lot of parents are very attuned to what's happening in the schools and there are a lot more homeschoolers because of that. So those are just some interesting quick stats that I found, and now I want to talk about the politics. So being a big city, Charleston is a bit more liberal than conservative, but overall South Carolina is a red state. Republican Governor Henry McMaster has led a strong and vibrant South Carolina economy, announcing more than 62,000 new jobs and over $18.5 billion in new capital investment in this state. Under his leadership, the state has made transformative investments in the classroom by expanding full-day, four-year-old kindergarten, raising K-12 teacher pay, and placing a school resource officer in every school. Colleges and universities are becoming more accessible and affordable due to the governor's tuition freeze and by his doubling of funding for needs-based financial aid for in-state students. And he also was the first U.S. attorney appointed by President Ronald Reagan in 1981. And his Operation Jackpot investigation into international drug smuggling resulted in more than 100 convictions. He also cut taxes for the state's small businesses by $317 million and has returned over $67 million to the taxpayers. And with his pandemic plan, the whole state didn't just crash economically. They did have um, like statewide quarantining and everything, um, but they were able to get back up and running and started earning revenue really quickly compared to New York, which isn't going to be able to recover financially. So here in New York, during the worst of the pandemic, we had Governor Andrew Cuomo in office before we were subjected to the terrible authority of Kathy Hochul or Andrew Cuomo 2.0. But during Cuomo's time in office, he signed on to criminal justice quote-unquote reforms that fueled a monstrous rise in violent crime. Taxpayers around the time of the pandemic were hit with $4 billion in new taxes. Employment in the Big Apple remains at 12.2% below pre-pandemic February and isn't expected to reach any pre-pandemic employment numbers until 2025, and that was even stated by Cuomo and his own staff. And by then, I'll have graduated from UAlbany as an undergrad with a bachelor's degree. So that's kind of a long time. Cuomo's own analysis shows that New York already has the highest combined state and local tax burden among all states in the entire nation. 
small businesses are going under all over the place especially like city dining because a lot of places were barred from offering indoor seating due to the pandemic and have never financially recovered from that now i actually made a lot of observations for myself while i was visiting south carolina the first thing you notice as you start driving down south like deeper and deeper into the south there are fireworks stores everywhere you can get really cool big fireworks at any store there's so many there's just fireworks stores all over and then the gas prices down there are still around three dollars and three dollars and change almost four maybe i'm sure to the residents that feels really high because it went up everywhere but in new york it, it was crazy it was almost six dollars at, at its worst and then another thing that i noticed down there is that people are so friendly they're so nice. Everybody who was working in the stores I visited, they were all like very friendly. Um, they weren't rude. And there's a lot of handmade stuff in the markets downtown in Charleston. And when you're crossing the street, like I found that a lot of people would let me cross or they would wave and slow down instead of like zooming by an inch from me while I'm trying to cross. Even if I was like on the road before them, like what has happened to me in Albany, New York a lot but they really are friendly. The Let's Go Brandon paraphernalia is awesome. It's everywhere. There's Don't Tread On Me merch all over the place. And all this stuff can be found like downtown throughout the city of Charleston. There's like amazing t-shirts, like very anti-Biden t-shirts. There was one that made me laugh out loud in particular. It was of Biden and Kamala side by side with that hysterical smile that they have on their faces and it was just dumb and dumber above it it was really funny there's a bunch of like trump ones that say miss me yet it's just it's great it was so much fun to look through and then there were tons of churches tons like multiple on each street almost while i was in folly beach i was taking a walk to one of the local coffee shops that i got a really good affogato from i was so happy with that but back to the church thing I walked past um, a small church it, it almost looked like a house that was converted into a little place of worship had a little cross in the front and it was really small and in New York it would have like two people in it as a congregation maybe two to ten at most it looked like a little one-room schoolhouse or like a family church or something and it looked really nice like if i was there for longer i probably would have checked it out and gone to a service but at first glance you'd think there would be a small congregation especially since there were bigger churches down the road from it like not that far down the road but when came sunday morning and i walked by that little church again it was absolutely packed so there were cars all up and down the street people were going in there and it was so nice it was such a nice sight to see versus what it's like in new york where even in small towns there's a bunch of little churches scattered around but only a handful of people at each one or a bunch of abandoned cathedrals in all of our cities it's nice to see how many people still care about going to church on sundays in south carolina it's in the Bible Belt. A lot of the businesses are closed on Sunday. It really is a culture shock. And then of course, there are some really beautiful historical churches in Charleston. They're architecturally beautiful too. I took a lot of pictures. You can just hear church bells all the time. 
it's not the holy city for nothing though, right? And then another thing that I noticed while I was down there is that people have really beautiful homes. Like they're not gigantic. Some of them are really big and they have like multiple stories or like two car garages, but even the regular ones are just nice. And they have older cars. Of course, there are some upper end cars like scattered through, especially in the city, but on the outskirts of it, there's just people driving whatever cars they have. I saw a lot of American made cars, older models. Um, I saw like Chevy Ventures, those do not exist anymore in New York. And then there were some cars with really unique decals. People just drive whatever they want. Like there, the cars don't equal status. I feel like the houses do. I also did not see numerous rows of electric car charging ports. And then regardless of what white New York City Democrats probably think of the ethnic demographics in the Bible Belt South, it is very diverse down there. And there's a lot of tourists even of all different races and everybody was enjoying it. Regardless of the triple digit temperatures and the maxed out humidity index. But another thing that I found to be really, really cool is that there are tons and tons of local artists and they can be found all over the place and the galleries are so beautiful. Like they aren't just all minimalist, abstract artists with like a gallery that's really like minimalistic and empty almost. Which isn't bad if that's what you like, but that's what I feel like is the most seen for artists in New York. But I went into a lot of galleries down south and they were really, really nice. You know, like they almost had like antique picture frames or antique easels. And it didn't look like artists were making art to be trendy. It looked like they were making art because they love art and they have a very beautiful city, the holy city to get a lot of inspiration from. So the art has a lot of character. And I'm not saying anything against New York City. There is a ton of art down there. Huge fashion base. I've always wanted to go down there for spring fashion week and just experience that. So I do like that part of New York City, but just as a recent observation, it looks like artists in New York are getting popular if they're making minimalistic abstract art because of how it is non-conforming, like a lot of the other things in progressive mainstream media, um, gender fluidity, equity and inclusivity, all of that stuff actually shows itself in the art that is the most highly regarded here in New York, which is not surprising at all, because if you were to show like racial oppression or something in your art and that's what motivated you to create that is going to be strongly celebrated or if you're showing some kind of discrimination or something and that's the purpose of your art that's going to be celebrated and recognized or if you're using your art as some sort of social protest against um, white male artists namely renaissance artists or if you are protesting things like the overturn of Roe v. Wade or any of that stuff. If your art is motivated by a protest, it will be widely celebrated. Where in South Carolina, especially Charleston, like where I was, where I visited these galleries, the art was portraying the beautiful city itself and things that are native to that area specifically. 
it didn't necessarily have to have some deeper meaning that we have to unpack and like figure out what the artist's mental state was when they painted it or anything like that. It was just very lovely paintings of historical buildings or of the ocean. There really were some very nice pieces of art down there. So in comparison to all of those things I just mentioned about Charleston, South Carolina, are these things that I have experienced living as a New Yorker. So first and foremost, those fireworks, like the ones down south, are illegal here. The gas prices even in the small towns are almost at $5, and this is even with the gas prices going down. People are mean. Like if I were to try to cross the road in Albany, and I have done this, um, I would have gotten hit immediately or close to hit and people would have probably flipped me off or honked their horn really hard if I tried to cross anywhere near them or in front of them. Some people probably wouldn't have even stopped. People don't wave, people don't say hi to you while you're walking on the streets. Albany is just like, it should just have a thundercloud over the top of it all the time. But in Charleston, people were friendlier. I didn't get killed down there walking across the street. Um, and then in New York, if you were to wear an anti-Biden shirt in New York City, you'll be judged immediately by everyone. That's why in a lot of places, like conservative students, or if you're a conservative working in something that's public sector, you're most likely going to feel a lot of tension if you speak your mind. And I wish more people would speak out, but because of their environment, it's hard for them to do that. Imagine seeing a don't tread on me flag on the back of a Ford truck in the Big Apple. That, like, I don't know if that even happens, but it would look like terrorism to a lot of the people who live down there. And then with the churches, and this is really sad, but churches are deconsecrated, abandoned, and demolished in New York. Albany is filled with abandoned churches. And then in New York City, more than two dozen historically or architecturally important churches have been destroyed in the past decade. And that is according to the New York Landmarks Conservancy. You can find multiple lists of decaying beautiful churches and cathedrals scattered all over New York. Midtown's 144-year-old Church of the Holy Innocents, one of the oldest buildings in the Garment District, is being targeted for closure, but could be saved. And this church in particular has announced propositions in an attempt to save their grounds, and we'll have to see if they win. And in New York City, there are even some church leaders who are like open to the demolition of the historic buildings. And then with cars, New York is filled with Teslas. Like as soon as you cross the state line from, you know, the south towards like Maryland and Delaware, and then you get to New York, you just, it's all Teslas, bunch of Audis, like all these luxury cars and electric cars and cars that take premium gas all over the place. And New York City especially, it's just all luxury cars. You have to be rich in order to even own one if you live down there because the homes and condos themselves are extremely expensive and to get one with a car garage means you have to have a lot of extra spending money. Now as of April 2022, um, a one-bedroom apartment in Manhattan costs $3,812 a month for rent. And the apartment rent in New York has increased by 13.1% in the past year. And the average size for a Manhattan, New York apartment is 703 square feet. So there's something. 
And then as soon as you come into New York, you have to go through countless tolls. Like you're paying $6 here and $6 there and you have to get your passes so that you don't have to keep doing that, which means you have to pay ahead. And people are doing this just to pay for the city. Then one of the most notorious differences between South Carolina and New York is that I almost couldn't finish out my freshman year at UAlbany because I'm not boosted. Businesses, schools, restaurants, doctor's offices, buses, galleries, music halls, outdoor performing art centers, and more in New York City and Albany, just New York in general, but from experience I mentioned those two places, require either full vaccination with proof, masking, both, or all of that plus a booster just for entry. Colleges will even void your enrollment if you refused. Healthcare providers, firemen, assembly workers, they lost their jobs because of their personal choice to not get filled with shots for the sake of someone else. And that's not even mentioning what our teachers here in New York are put through. A lot of them feel like they can't talk about where they stand politically if they aren't liberal. And they, a lot of them were forced to get vaccinated or else quit their jobs. They have to teach Common Core, which South Carolina, by the way, rejected after 2015, calling it Obama Core. Correct me if I'm wrong. And teachers in New York certainly don't get paid enough for what they do. But I mean, that's kind of an education issue for like elementary and secondary teachers all over the country. But in New York, teachers really do have it rough. And it is a very deep blue state. Lawmakers in the city completely disregard the small pockets of red upstate where, like, agriculture is, for example. Now, I do love visiting New York City. The city skyline still makes me very happy when I see it, but I don't think I would want to live there. I also loved visiting Charleston. It was really colorful and artsy, just beautiful building-wise. And it was rich in history, which was really cool, too. But I don't know if I would want to live there either, because the heat almost took my breath away when I first got there and I opened up the door and like my glasses fogged up and everything. I don't know how well I would survive that, but both cities still do have a lot to offer. It's just cool to see the demographic and cultural differences like the church thing, for example, and living in New York, it is quite the change, but it's really neat to see. So I'm going to end it there so I don't drag it on too much further, but I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of The Essentials and that you will join me again next week for my next episode, which will be right here on the BMG Network, guys. Take care and have a great weekend.